All right, guys. Well, we are in Luke chapter 6 this morning. Luke chapter 6. And the title is Praying for Clarity. Praying for Clarity. And it's important to see God to see clearly. Uh, Physically, when a person starts losing their vision, things become blurry. I remember when my wife would get headaches a lot, and she didn't know why. And she tried a lot of different things to, to, to get rid of these headaches. And at one point, she thought, well, maybe it's my eyes. I'll go get them checked out. So she went to get checked out, and sure enough, her vision wasn't perfect. She needed glasses. And I remember when she first got those glasses, she was so happy because she could actually see. She's like, whoa, her headaches went away. Everything was in focus and so much better. Well, she didn't even know things were that blurry until she put on the glasses and things were clear and crisp. And it's like when we seek the Lord in prayer, that's exactly what happens, I think, spiritually. We may not even know that things are blurry, and we may not even know that we are hurting because life, it's hard to see. It's hard to see what's in front of us at times. But then we seek the Lord, and He gives us clarity. He gives us answers. He gives us a new and a godly perspective. Through prayer, we get answers, and the blurriness turns to clarity. One pastor said, he said, prayer at its highest is a two-way conversation, and for me, the most important part is listening to God's replies. So God will bring clarity through prayer so that we can make our plans according to his will, not our own. And this is one aspect of, that we'll see today. You know, the Lord Jesus, he prayed all night so that clarity for decision-making would come. Praying peels away anything that would bring blurriness or obstruction to our spiritual vision. So again, let's pray, and then we'll look at these verses to, uh, this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you that uh, you speak to us through it. We thank you, Lord, that it's relevant, Lord, that it's powerful, that it convicts and comforts, it hurts and sometimes, but it heals you use your word to speak to our hearts, and we thank you for that. We just pray, Lord, that you speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So remember, at this point, Jesus was at a place in ministry like where he was becoming well-known, and the crowds were gathered to watch and hear Jesus. He became popular. Like, what were they looking at him? Like, what will he do? You know, what will he say? How will he rebuke the religious leaders? Let's see that again, right? He was like, he, everyone was watching him. Jesus had already offended the traditions of the religious leaders, and they began to plot against him, figuring out ways to secretly kill him. According to Mark 3, 6, the religious leaders were plotting his destruction. Nice guys, huh? Not really. But the multitudes, they were totally following Jesus at this point. The pressure was on. All eyes were on him. So what did Jesus do? Does he, does he glory in his 15 minutes of fame? No. Does he do some major marketing to get even a wider audience and extend his streak and work towards the blue verified check mark? No. He went to the mountain to pray. I love that. He went away to pray. And so let's look at verses 12 and 13 of Luke chapter 6. It says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Now, Jesus would pray constantly. It's not like this was a time where he's like, ah, I can't do anything else, so I guess I might as well pray. Like, he prayed often, but this particular time he actually went away to pray. 
I believe he went away to prevent interruption, to give himself an opportunity to pour out his heart to God, to gain clarity for the next steps that he should take, for the decisions that he needed to make. Prayer ushers in clarity. Seeking God brings transparency. Because let's face it, many times you know, life seems foggy. We have no clue what's going on. Or we know what's going on, and we have no clue what to do. I can testify and say yes to these things, right? I, I remember one time when I was a little kid, I was sick, and I woke up in the morning, and I could not open my eyes at all. And room caused my eyes to not open, R-H-E-U-M. It's a thin discharge of mucous membranes that is excreted from your eyes when you have a cold. It happens to us all, so don't look at me like you're grossed out, okay? <laughs> this happens as normal, human stuff. But um, it's also called eye, eye boogers, or eye gunk, whatever you call it. But I had so much in my eyes that they were like glued shut. I was freaking out. I woke up. I couldn't open my eyes. It was like a nightmare until my mom took me to the sink really quick, washed the stuff off, and I could open my eyes like, I can see, you know? So like room gluing your eyes shut, <laughs> we sometimes can't see what to do or where to go without prayer. And the, the fact is prayer leads to clarity. There are many moments when I have no idea what to do. But over the years, I've learned through trial and error mostly air, that praying is what produces clarity. And so it's like, can we all agree that it's a bit humid here in the South? Can we agree on that, most of us? Yeah, okay. You know it is because, because you experience it every day in the summer, and you're probably counting down the days until the humidity starts to dissipate. Oftentimes when I first get into my car, start it up in the early morning, my windshield's fogged up and I can't see out of it. I have to put my defrosters on and so that the windows will clear up or else... I'll start driving and not be able to see and crash. Without prayer, life is unclear. It's foggy. It's hard to see where we're going. It's hard to see what we're doing. Prayer is the action that clears up our life direction. Prayer is the action that clears up our life direction. We all need direction, and God knows which way we're supposed to go. Prayer is what brings calm to our often chaotic minds. Right? Prayer is the action that brings answers to those daily decisions we have to make. Jesus was praying on the mountain for a couple minutes, right? No, he was praying on the mountain all night long. It's a good practice to pray more when we have big decisions to make, you know? I wouldn't recommend praying like this before a meal at a family get-together, right? I remember, I love, I love my father-in-law. He's such a blessing, right? I remember one Thanksgiving, he invited a bunch of people from the church. We had a bunch of people all around, right? And so we were all uh, waiting to eat. I mean, you know how it is with family gatherings. By the time the meal comes, you're like, let's dig in, right? And so we were all in a circle. It's probably like maybe 20 of us or something. And he's like, and we were just ready to eat. At least I was. I was like, we're starving, right? And um, the food looked good, other than the tofu turkey. Everything else looked good. Um, <laughs> that's a different story. But, uh, but he's like, let's go around the table and say what we're thankful for. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, looked at, I looked at a family member like, is he serious right now? And so, so, like, so like 20, 30 minutes later, we finally sat down and, and finally ate the meal. But there's a time and a place, right? Quick prayers are good. Yeah, if you're talking to someone, you don't know what to say, or you're trying to counsel them, you can pray in your heart, kind of like Nehemiah did when he was facing the king, and the king, you know, he, his life was at risk. Um, he prayed in his heart. It's, sometimes quick prayers are good. Other times, it's a huge decision, and so we need to pray a lot. We need, we need serious clarity. 
It's a good practice to pray more when we have big decisions to make. So Jesus, he would choose his 12 disciples to be his apostles, and prayer was the factor that brought clarity. Jesus would choose men that would carry on what he had started. Without the apostles, the work of Jesus would not be carried on or carried out at all. It was through these chosen men that the truth would be spread throughout the whole world. Pray on a regular basis for everyday decisions, and when you have big decisions to make, make sure you're praying even more. The more serious the decision, the more prayer is required. Spurgeon, again, said, One night alone in prayer will make us new men, changed from poverty of soul to spiritual wealth, from trembling to triumphing. So Jesus prayed all night, and then the next day he called his disciples to himself. You know, Jesus had many disciples. I mean, there, was a bunch, there were dozens. There was a lot of them. They were learners. They were, they were following him. They were listening to him. Disciple means disciplined one or learner. And it means those who are committed to studying and learning. One commentator said this. He said, a disciple was a learner, a student. But in the first century, a student did not simply start, uh, study a subject. He followed a teacher. There's an element of personal attachment in disciple that is lacking in a student. And so think about that, though. The, the, the future of the church depended on those who would take the banner of truth after Jesus' ascension and go out into all the world sharing the gospel. Prayer was the key. It says, from them he chose the twelve. Why did Jesus choose twelve apostles because there were 12 tribes in Israel and Jesus was forming the nucleus of a new nation. The first Christians were Jewish because the gospel came to the Jew first, like it says in Acts 13:46. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, "It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles." Later, the Gentiles would be added to the church because the gospel spreading that the Jews actually did. They got out there. They they were scattered among the land to witness for the Lord. But see, the Apostle Paul was basically like, this group is rejecting the gospel, so you know what? We're going to go to this other group and present the truth. When we share with people, they may reject the message we're called to relay. I wouldn't say, say don't let that discourage you. Don't let... Don't give up and say, forget this, forget, I'm not going to do this anymore. No, we go to the next person and share the word of God. Our testimony, we share our faith. I love how our church is so different, right? Ever notice that? Our church is very different. Like, we're all so different with different interests, different hobbies, and very different jobs. Some are computer programmers, and if you talk to me about that, I will not understand anything you're saying. That's why the blank look will be there. I'll be like, cool, I don't know what to say, I don't even know the terminology. Some are managers, and you turn things, you know, you, you, or you run things, um, because that's how God made you, right? You like to see organization, and you like to be in charge and see things going smoothly. Some are gamers, right? You love certain video games, and some of you are like, what, you know, why are adults playing video games? <laughs> but all the, when video games were invented, all those kids grew up, and now they're like my age, right? Politically, economically, in so many other ways, we are starkly so, so different. Yet, none of these things are at the forefront, or they shouldn't be. Because here's our commonality. Christ, Jesus, is our commonality. He is who this church is founded upon. He's our Savior. Therefore, God can take a whole group of way different people and make them into the family of God. That's so amazing to me. 
Within the church, there are many different people that come together and learn and grow and fellowship and see God together. You know, we become a family. We become friends. And maybe people on the outside would look in and go, how is that group all gathered together? Who are they? Why? Because <laughs> they look at them, they're so different. Galatians 2, uh, 3.28 says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. We are all one in Christ. Acts says that believers had one commonality, one heart, one mind, one goal, really, one objective, to worship the Lord and spread the gospel. I love doing life with you guys. I love coming here and fellowshipping and hanging out and talking about the Lord and praying together. Like Our daughters love coming to this church and seeing their friends and memorizing Bible verses. And Ever since I was saved in 2003, I've absolutely loved church gatherings because it's one big family gathering together to connect and encourage and grow. I love what John Ahi said. He was a minister uh, in the South. He was executed for speaking truth in 1911. But he said this, he said, the church is not a select circle of the immaculate, but a home where the outcast may come in. It is not a palace with gate attendants and challenging sentinels along the entranceways, holding off at arm's length the stranger, but rather a hospital where the brokenhearted may be healed and where all the weary and troubled may find rest and take counsel together. <laughs> I love that. We come together to worship the Lord, bringing all our burdens and cares and laying them at the feet of Jesus. We don't come here and put on the plastic fake face and we're like, everything's great when things are going horrible. We share with one another. We lift each other up. We support one another. That's why we're here. We don't try to get good and before we come into church, we come into church with all of our stuff and our burdens and difficulties and loneliness and then we minister to one another. So, I love, the, I love the gathering of assembling of ourselves together. Jesus prayed all night and then would choose his apostles out of this large group of disciples. It says he, who he also named apostles. So the idea behind the ancient Greek word for apostle is uh, ambassador. The Greek word is uh, apostolos, which means sent one. And it describes someone who represents another and has a message from their sender. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so we send messages. Look, Paul was essentially pleading with the people to come to Christ because he was an ambassador, a representative for Jesus. And so, so is everyone who believes and walks with Christ. But... Here's the thing, it all comes, or it all starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. Prayer is the key to seeing clearly. Jesus prayed all night for men that he would first choose to, to disciple and be an example to. And, and the kingdom just grew from there. And it continues to grow today. Through prayer, through us representing Christ and freely sharing the truth. Like, again, we are all way different. We, but we don't focus on all our differences. If we did, we wouldn't be together, right? We focus on the Lord. We come to church to hear from Him. We come to study and learn and pray for one another and lift up each other's arms like uh, you know, Aaron and Hur did for Moses in order to win the battle against, I think it was the Amalekites. We, we're here to encourage and lift up. We have different hobbies, different jobs, different interests, but we come together to worship the same God. 
We come together to look to the Savior, to take communion and remember what he's done for us. It's amazing. And so Jesus, after a year, after ministering, after healing, after doing all of this, he goes away to the mountain to pray because he has big decisions to make. And it's pretty insane if you look at the statistics. I don't have them in front of me, but just I've talk, taught about this a lot, decision-making. There's so many decisions we have to make every single day. So many, little ones to mediocre, medium ones, bigger ones, like there's so many decisions. And so prayer is what brings clarity. I can't emphasize that enough. Sometimes like, I don't know what to do. Have you prayed about it? No. (laughs) Well, then pray. If you pray and seek the Lord, he will make things clear. And it might not happen in that instant, but throughout the day, you ever prayed something in the morning, you have no clue. By the end of the day, you hear a sermon, you hear a podcast, you read the word, Someone says something to you even, and it's like, spoke to you, you're like, okay, Lord, I get it. That's confirmation. That's what God does. As we, as we have an attitude of prayer, you know, uh, Paul says pray always, which really what that means is have an attitude of prayer all day. Be quick to pray. When something goes wrong, pray. When something goes right, pray and praise the Lord. When you don't, aren't sure about something, pray to the Lord. It brings clarity. And sometimes we're like, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I still don't know. Ask someone else to pray for you. Be humble enough to be like, I don't know. I need, I need help. I need hope. I need encouragement. You know, it, it's, to be vulnerable is not the easiest thing for many of us, right? But it's really what helps us to share with one another so that we can lay it all out on the table and have people lift us up and encourage us. Give us verses. You know, that's, that's what we're here, to mutually encourage one another. And this life, I mean, it is distracting out there right? A lot of the times we wait to pray until the end or until we have nothing else to do. It's our last recourse. I mean, I was was listening to this thing. So basically, you know what the attention span is of adults, actually, uh, in today's day? Attention span is eight seconds. Eight seconds for adults. You know what the attention span of fish is? Nine seconds. So... Don't be laughing at Dory when she's going, oh, what is it? like we're worse than her, okay? <laughs> I'm going to say, so we, it's, it's very hard to just sit, I understand, it's very hard to sit there and just pray, and, but it's, it's, like, it's like anything you do, whether it's like, I don't know, going to the gym or eating right at first, you're like, oh, gosh, I want to do that, right? But once you start doing it, you start feeling better, and you start like, yeah, the initial is very hard, but once you keep doing it, you get in the routine, it's like, I'm so glad I'm doing this. Prayer is just like that. It's like the more you pray, the more you see God answer, the more you actually want to pray. And so I would just say, and you don't have to be like, if if I don't have an hour to pray, I'm not praying today. I I would just say, if you have one minute, sweet, pray, right? It it only takes a little over a minute to read Jesus' model prayer, which was in Matthew, which is 66 words, and that's the model prayer. And so... I would just say, don't just drop all the excuses of, ah, I don't have time to pray. We have, you know, we have a couple hours to oftentimes look at social media or watch some shows on Amazon Prime. I don't know. But we can take a few minutes just to pray. And the more you do it, the more you want to do it. Because you'll see results. You'll see God answer, whether it's yes, no, or wait. Those big decisions, we all are going to have them. I would say, and there's some stuff you guys, you don't have to pray for. I'm just saying, like, there's some stuff, like, if you and your, you know, wife or husband are trying to pick a place to eat, you're like, let's pray about where to go. Like, you can just choose, right? There's some stuff you don't need prayer for. But the big overarching decisions where, like, this is huge. This can have ramifications. This, I don't know what is going to happen, so we need to make sure we make the right decision. That's why when, when, uh, when we're talking about men leading, it's not like, it's like why do the, you know, some women, are, why do men get to lead? 
Do you understand the responsibility we have? Ladies, we have to, if we make the wrong decision, that's on us, right? And so it's like, Lord, help me make the right decision, you know? Help me do the right thing. Help, I want to go the right way. We wanna, I want to make sure I, we're leading our family to follow you. And so those big overarching decisions, pray about them, right? Go away to a place, go away to a place where there's no distractions, where there's no noise, where there's no external stuff going on, like the phones, right? <laughs> go away where it's just like, just quiet, just you and the Lord. Just you and the Lord. That's what Jesus did, right? Even in the upper room, he says he, he's, he was given communion and everything, but he's like, do this. He's an example for us. So I would say also studying the prayers of those in the Word of God really gives us um, uh, some clarity as well, like looking at Elijah, right, for King 17, where um, he seeks the Lord and God provides water for him when there was a drought, right? When there was a lady that was, you know, she had some ingredients, her and her son were planning on eating their last meal and then dying because they had no more food, uh, Elijah sought the Lord and God multiplied that food, right? And then the son still died and then uh, uh, Elijah jumped, you know, jumped on him and, and, and prayed for him and, and, and he rose. So prayer is effective. Prayer is powerful. And so therefore, prayer should be a priority. I always like teaching on prayer because it reminds me, I need to pray more. <laughs> I need to get in this healthy spiritual habit of seeking the Lord because I need clarity for everything, for every day on what to do, right? And so do you. We all do. We, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Or we can try to say, like, well, I'll try this way. No, that's wrong. I'll try this way. No, that's wrong. It's like picking a major in college or something and, and going through it, doing it a couple years and be like, I want to change. That sucks. <laughs> now you got to take all these other classes. You're like, I should have sought the Lord on it so I knew what to do from the start. It's like when we plan, like Isaiah says in, I think, chapter 30 or 31, when we plan, make sure it's of his spirit. Make sure we're planning, seeking the Lord. Not planning and then asking God to bless our plans, but saying, Lord, what do you want me to plan? What do you want me to do? Which way do you want me to go? Do you want me to wait here and just seek you more, or do you want me to move on? what do you want me to do? And he will make those things clear to you. And I love, if you look at the Apostle Paul and all of his prayers, um, he prayed often for the churches. He prayed often for individuals. He prayed often for other people. Intercession is so necessary. Think about it. You probably know people in your life that prayed for you before you were, uh, you were a believer. Or maybe you were in the world, totally carnal, out there. People prayed for you. You didn't know they were praying at the time because you were all in sin. But then you came back to the Lord and you realize all these people were praying for you, interceding on a regular basis, and you're like, what? <laughs> it worked, you know? Prayer is powerful. So therefore, I would say just make it a priority. Start off small, a couple minutes, whatever. If you don't pray at all, a couple minutes a day, maybe in the morning, middle of the day, at night, and just keep increasing it. And it's a blessing to actually pray for our direction in life, because we want to make sure we're going in the direction God wants us to go. And it's a blessing to pray for others, because they need it. And, and you know, one of, the, one of the biggest acts, I think, of kindness is to let someone know, and really do, like, pray for them. Like, I'm praying for you. That, that to, like, when, when someone tells me that, I'm like, that's the highest thing that they could do, like, the highest form of encouragement for me. I'm like, thank you. And years ago, when I was an assistant pastor in my last church, I would always tell people, oh, I'm praying for you. It was just the same. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't, I just said, oh, I'll pray for you. And I forgot about them the rest of the week. Not you guys, but them. Yeah, I'm just, but I think, no, I think back, 
But I got to the point where I got so convicted one time because I'm like, I keep telling them I'm praying for them. I forget to pray for them. Next week, they said, thank you so much for praying for me. Your prayers were answered. And I'm like thinking, those are, my, those are not my prayers <laughs> because I didn't even pray for you. So it started to be like, you need prayer? I'm going to pray right now because I don't want to forget. I don't want to put it off. I don't want to put prayer off. If someone needs prayer, I want to pray right then, right there. Let's pray. We need to intercede for one another, but when those big overarching decisions are coming, you guys, whether it's a life change, a job change, a whatever, a financial thing, like there's difficult things that we have to decide, and we need to seek the Lord. That's not the last resort, right? It should be the first line of defense, first priority, Lord. What do you want me to do? I'm unsettled right here, right now. Like I'm, I don't know if I'm supposed to be at this job. Am I, Lord? And he'll either give you peace or he'll keep that, unsettledness in your heart to where you're like, well, what should I do? Which way should I go? And oftentimes, it's, it's a slow process, but it's a necessary process to seek the Lord, to pray to Him, and He brings clarity. He brings clarity to the surface. And, and so Jesus went away, all, went to the mountain all night. He prayed, and then He was going to choose these guys who people would look at and be like, you prayed all night for them? <laughs> we're going to look at that next Sunday. But it's a crazy thing because God sees things in us. He sees the measure of faith he's given us in us. Maybe it's not activated yet, but he knows what's going to come to the surface. He knows he's going to make us faithful and use us in mighty ways, even before we know it. It's amazing. And so it's amazing what, who he'd choose and what he would actually do after this point. And we're going to take a look at that uh, next Sunday. So let's pray.